como 10 minutos. Okay. Nada más que eso y de ahí viene el, el, el sendero nuevamente de unos 3-4 metros de ancho. Welcome to another edition of Strangers Abroad. This podcast is a series of conversations with the wonderful and weird people that I met while backpacking throughout Latin America. These are the hitchhikers, the couch surfers, the expats, the thrill seekers, the knowledge junkies, volunteers, and society quitters. The people who, for one reason or another, made the decision to challenge themselves, to leave behind the comforts of home, venture out into the world, to see what happens. Here we go. The sun had just set, and I nestled on a crowded motorboat I had almost missed. It would take me out to my hostel on Lake Asilon in Guatemala. It was the last boat out to the peaceful towns on the lake's edge, and missing it would have meant staying in the crummy mainland town for the night. It was while I was decompressing and staring at the hill I had just run down, feeling the sweat stick on my back, that I first saw Lisa. Gravity helping her, she was sprinting down the hill towards the boat with one hand on the strap of her backpack and the other forcing her wide-brimmed hat to stay on top of her head. She scrambled up to it just in time and bumbled aboard, performing the acrobatic art of finding a place to sit on a packed boat. And I watched as she tried to maintain balance, planting her feet in the sparse and awkwardly open spaces scattered in between all of the people and luggage, while the waters undulate beneath us. I felt for her. I had just done the same exact thing. She was unfortunately placed right at the front of our boat, directly two rows ahead of me. And as our boat sped off, I watched her hold a miserable piece of tarp to shield herself from the cold water splashing onto her. But there was something about her laugh and mannerisms. I'm not sure what that moment is called when you see a stranger's face and there's something about them. You don't know how it's going to unfold, but you're going to meet them. We both got off at the same stop, walked up to the same hostel, checked in with the same woman who informed us that the two of us would be staying in the same room that night, all to ourselves. Who could think we could get this lucky, she said. Oh my God, she's German, I thought. I don't know why, but there are certain accents I love hearing speak English, and German is one of them. Still knowing nothing about this girl, we sat down together for dinner in the rustic, low-lit dining area with a view of the quiet lake, which conflicted with the rowdy game of trivia that we had walked in on. Both exhausted and only inches apart, we had to shout out each other and started discovering some stark commonalities. I don't know what to do with my life, she said curtly, which always strikes a chord. I just graduated from university in Copenhagen for psychology. I don't have a job, I don't know what to do, so I decided to travel. I wanted to explore more of Latin America to improve Spanish, but when I go back, I don't have anything. Girl was preaching to the choir. We were attached at the hip for the rest of our stay. 
When you travel, sometimes you might not realize that there are pieces of you that are unfulfilled until you find them in others. Lisa was a nice reminder of some of the deeper interests I missed talking about. I was unable to interview her while we were together, so this is a Skype recording taken back in January, almost a year since our excursions. It's interesting to make the comparisons between seeing her then, excited, nervous, and uncertain, and how she is now after settling into a job and life in Copenhagen. She feels secure now, but is grateful for the risk that she took. Here is her story. So, how are you? Good, I'm still in Copenhagen. I don't know if you remember that I lived in Copenhagen, yes. where yep. I studied. And then I came back from my studies and I actually found a job, so now I'm working. Whoa, that's awesome. Because I remember yeah. sitting with you and being like, holy shit, I don't have any sense <laughs> of security going back. Like, I don't have... Yep, I, don't have... I was also a little bit crazy, but yeah. also perfect timing to take such a trip. Absolutely. How did how did we meet? Uh, we met on this very small boat to Orlancha in Guatemala, uh, basically on Lake Atitlan, on the way to what, Iguana Pedida, I think, wasn't it? And it was very dark, and I was kind of scared because everyone was like, you need to keep your holdings, and you're cramped in this boat, and you need to watch out that people don't steal stuff from you. And actually, I think it was also, oh my god, I think it was my first day of my whole trip wasn't it? I think so. Yes, yeah. I arrived that day, so I think maybe that's also why I was a little bit paranoid, because I just got there, I was really tired from my flight. Yeah. Uh, and then we got there, and everyone was having this community dinner where we were arriving a little late, and then they overbooked us, and we ended up in this very nice, comfortable room, just for ourselves, our own bathroom. So that was quite quite nice that was so nice well we got our own private it was like the the nicest suite they were like oh sorry we overbooked so uh upgrade <laughs> and we were like thank you we're both exhausted and like had come from weird and kind of scary like trips to just be there you know yes. um yes. and we were on the last boat we had like just well did you, you came on after because i remember I remember being on the boat and being like, holy shit, I thought I might have missed it. And then I remember seeing you like running down a hill and <laughs> yeah, like that's true. jumping on and being like, okay. And it was the last boat of the night. So yeah. if you hadn't have gotten that, you would have been stranded like on the mainland. That's true. Yeah. So then we ended up having like dinner. This nice room to ourselves and then, yeah, joining the community dinner. Yeah. And then was it also, it was the same night where they also had the quiz night, right? So we... We did the quiz afterwards. The what? Wasn't there like a pop quiz or something afterwards? Oh, the quiz. It was like a trivia night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's how we met like Andrew and yeah. uh, and all of those guys with their like yeah. amazing uh, trivia trivia knowledge. So yeah, and then we spent the whole like weekend together, which was awesome. Yes. And like went yes. to other little areas around the, around the volcanoes and islands and lake. Um, so what influence you to go to Guatemala? Mm, different things. I previously lived in Mexico during my bachelor studies, so I kind of wanted to freshen up my Spanish again. Yeah, was done with my master degree, so I kind of wanted to use that time before I started a real job um, to go travel. And then I was thinking, yeah, where do I want to travel? I thought about a Spanish-speaking context again, and I really loved Mexico and all the 
indigenous con uh, culture as well. So I thought maybe Guatemala would be nice for the trip to start. And I also had a friend that joined me two weeks after I met you, who was also really up for Central America. So we agreed to meet in Guatemala and then travel down to Panama together. Awesome. So wait, so you went through like Nicaragua, Costa Rica. What was all of that like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I started in Guatemala, spent um, I think a month in Guatemala and the first two and a half weeks were just by myself. Um, and then my friend joined me where we spent another two weeks in Guatemala. We went for some hiking in the mountains as well and went to this beautiful lagoon in the middle of nowhere. Um, so I think especially after Christina joined me, we did a lot of not so touristical stuff in Guatemala, which was really, really nice. And then after that, we went to Honduras, um, much more uh, touristic stuff, I would say. So we did our diving license on the Bay Islands, on Otila. Um, and after that, we went to Nicaragua and spent also like two weeks, I think, in, in Nicaragua. Um, and then we kind of skipped Costa Rica because we had no time left and had then a few days in Panama. Where in Panama did you go? Uh, it was mainly uh, Panama City and then we went to uh, San Plas Islands. Did you go diving the whole time? Um, no, just uh, well in, uh, in Honduras. And then when we were in Nicaragua, we also spent a few days on the Corn Islands and there we also went diving again. Oh, that's awesome. But other than that, I think it was a really nice mixture between like cultural stuff, looking at cities, uh, going to really small villages and exploring the area. Um, and then, of course, also having some city activities, parties, uh, beach time. We kind of did a little bit of everything. And I think that's also Central America is so great to do all of that. You can go diving, you can go surfing on the other coast, you can look at all these beautiful colonial cities. There's like so much to explore that is not necessarily super touristic, but then when you feel like being around other travelers, there's also not uh, enough places where you can be around travelers. So right. I think it was great for traveling. And Absolutely. What was it like traveling alone in the beginning and then traveling with your friend? I actually like both very, like, I really enjoyed both types of traveling a lot. In the beginning, I was a little bit scared to go by myself. This is also why I only, I think I was on my own for like two and a half weeks, so it wasn't very long. And of course, everyone always tells you that you meet so many people, but just the thought in the beginning to leave on your own and then going to a country also, I mean, Central America is not exactly known as being the safest area to travel. It was a little bit scary, but then, I mean, it is just as everyone says, I feel like you meet so many other travelers, you're never alone. I mean, also for me, I really wanted to improve my Spanish again. So I think the more you push yourself outside of those, uh, being with a friend the whole time, um, the more you actually also learn and meet people that actually live in the country. I mean, I also spent quite some time in Antigua living with the fa host family to speak some Spanish and to learn or meet some people that actually live there and are not only travelers. But I also really enjoy to have a friend around because then you can always plan together what you want to do and if you do feel a little bit safer. No, absolutely. Yeah. There's different advantages and disadvantages to traveling alone versus traveling with someone because when you travel with somebody, you typically are like deepening your relationship with that person. Whereas you travel alone, you're much more likely to make 
new friends and make like yeah. a, a lot of new friends. How did your relationship fare between you and your friend when you were traveling together? Like was she an old friend, a new friend? Had you traveled together before? And what was your relationship like while traveling together? Um, well, I met her in Copenhagen, so we know each other now around three years maybe. It's not a super, super close friend of me, or it hasn't been before that, but uh, that travel, uh, tra those travels definitely uh, yeah, made us closer, if you, if you can say that. Because you just, yeah, you have so many experiences to share and you, you really get to know a person when you hang out 24-7, basically. And I have to say, we actually, I think we matched really great as travel buddies because we had the same kind of interests. So we both kind of liked to have some active days where we went hiking or diving and these kind of things. But we were also both in the same terms of let's go party once in a while, and, um, but also let's do some cultural stuff. So I think we balanced each other quite well in, in our interests, which I think is super important when you travel together because, I mean, there are a lot of people who just want to relax and lay at the beach or only want to do active stuff. And we were kind of both, yeah, we want to be doing a little bit of everything. We also ended the trip with a few days in New York where her boyfriend joined and another friend. And that was also super nice. So it's it's just really nice to see when you, even after such a long time, you're not sick of each other. Yeah. And you, you don't go on each other's nerves. Yeah, no, absolutely. It is the truest test of a relationship. Like, yes. hands down. What did you want? What were you looking for when you decided to travel for such a long time and in an area that you had never been to before what were kind of some expectations that you were going into this well i mean on the one hand it was a little bit okay i'm done with my studies and i kind of want to get out of europe before i start working and you know explore the world a little bit more and also knowing that now once you start a full-time job it's difficult to take off such a long break so i thought it's a good chance to go for a few months traveling um, and then, of course, I yeah, as I said, I wanted to catch up with my Spanish again. Yeah, and I, I just right. like the Spanish-speaking context a lot, so I, that's why I, I kind of went to Central America. Yeah, so I think, I mean, in general, I just love traveling, and I, I figured it's just a perfect timing to do so right. uh, when you have the time. Absolutely. Could you tell me a story of when you felt like you were kind of out of your element and how you responded to that? You mean like out of my comfort zone? Yeah, out of your comfort zone. Well, during that, during those travels, <laughs> uh, I mean, first of all, I think it's always when you begin your travels, you feel kind of scared. I mean, the the I remember when I flew to Mexico, I was just sitting in the airplane at that time. I didn't speak any Spanish, so I was really like, "What on earth? Why did I do that? Am I stupid? It's so far away from home. You don't speak any Spanish. Mexico is supposed to be super dangerous." And I arrived there in the middle of the night, so I think it was like two o'clock in the morning or something. Then I had to take a taxi to go to the host family that I was staying with the first three weeks, and they. Uh, welcomed me but then it was like they asked me all kind of questions and they didn't speak any English and I was just like eh, don't speak a word I think I'm gonna go to bed and sleep <laughs> kind of an experience then you wake up in the night and you just hear all the cockroaches everywhere <laughs> running around oh cockroaches <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah I usually like those experiences because I mean of course it's scary in the beginning but once you've done it afterwards it just makes everything so much more enjoyable because you you, you know that you push yourself outside of your comfort zone but of course it can also be very tough i mean now during my study uh, my studies during my travels in guatemala 
I also got some food poisoning. Yeah, that that was before Christina came uh, during the Easter holidays. Santa, Santa Semana. Yeah, exactly. Semana Santa. And I was in Antigua for that because it's supposed to be uh, this beautiful uh, city where they uh, do all those Easter celebrations. And then I couldn't like I couldn't stand up and I missed kind of the whole thing and it was just so exhausting because the whole city was full of people and then it's yeah those are the times when you just think okay why did the why did I do that to me why why do I go to a country where there's food that makes you sick and right do you know what it was that you ate no, but it was definitely the food because I had some friends that I was traveling with at the same time and they all had stomach problems oh that sucks. Yeah, no, food poisoning is not... I got food poisoning, like, the last two weeks of my trip in Peru, and I was like, I'm ready to go home. Like, I can't. I don't <laughs> yeah. want to do this anymore. It's exhausting. It takes a lot out of you. So you, you've traveled alone by yourself, which is awesome. I guess, how has traveling alone as a woman been for you, in especially in cultures that are a little bit less gender equal? to put it nicely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like you meet always so many people that you're never really alone. So I didn't really think it was much of an issue. But then again, I was only on my own for two weeks and after that, my friend joined me. So in those two weeks, I was only in the Antigua area, let's say, in uh, the lake where we met. But all the, like the hiking trips, for example, that were really in the mountains, I don't think I would have done on my own. I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's more comfortable to be two people because right. we were taking these really local buses and it's just yeah on the one hand you're by yourself it's a culture you don't know it's an area where, that you don't know and on top of that you're a woman I mean I never felt necessarily way more unsafe just because I'm a woman but also just because it's an area you don't know and it is just a very right. macho driven community where people whistle after you and I think it's just more comfortable to not be by yourself, I think. Absolutely. Do you feel like you got treated differently than your uh, male travel counterparts? Just by yes. the locals? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. In you get more attention. People realize that you're not a local. And in general, they just whistle, for example, after girls. But I think they do that no matter what. If you're a tourist or not a tourist, they also do that for the, with the local girls. Right. What is that like coming from a culture, Germany, Denmark, which are very egalitarian <laughs> yes. and are very gender gender equal? Um, what is that like for you to be kind of thrust into an environment that doesn't perceive you, that like really heightens, you know, the fact that like, oh, I'm a woman, you know, like you're just reminded all the time. <laughs> um, what was that like for you? It depends, I think. I mean, sometimes it's really annoying and you you can't, un like, if you get into discussions on how they actually perceive a woman, yeah, I don't know, I think sometimes it's just difficult for me to understand that people have such a different view. But then again, sometimes if you go to a club and it's all about salsa dancing and the guys ask you to dance and it's also nice because you get much more attention, whereas here you sometimes think, okay, why... Now it's a little bit too equal. The woman has to do all the work and has to approach the guys. I feel like um, I've been having a lot of conversations with my girlfriends back home and there's a discrepancy between being a millennial woman, which is like the generation that we are, where we want to be 
equal. We want to be treated fairly and, uh, you know, not based off of our gender. But there are a lot of benevolent sexist acts that, like, we're used to that are, like, the advantage of us. Of, like, oh, men will come up to us or they'll pay for everything. And uh, we kind of, like, want the best of both worlds. Yes. Which I yes. think, which I'm, like, no, I'm going to pay, you know, like either pay for both of us and like go back and forth but like there's some residual aspects of of sexism that did benefit women in a very superficial way you know so like yeah it's weird yeah. and they and men in Latin America definitely prescribe to that you know like holding the door open for you and things like that yeah and this kind of, I mean I, I feel like sometimes it's nice to get this attention but then at the same time yeah if it's too much then I'm like well let me rather do it myself than if you overdo it it's yeah absolutely but it might be difficult because maybe yeah we do want both <laughs> yeah have you traveled um outside of latin america or europe yes i've also been to indonesia brazil well that's south america right u.s i guess <laughs> right so how do you compare those experiences what are some differences and things that you enjoy about those cultures well, that Indonesia was after high school, so that's wow. <laughs> a really long time ago. Maybe it's easier to compare it to Tanzania. I went there like, what was that, three years ago? Uh-huh. Well, there, of course, you also just, people just notice you because you're white. Um, so they call you Mozungu um, and point out that you're not a local. Hmm. How are you treated differently there? As being a woman or as being white or both? Well, they definitely just point out that you're white, but we also traveled a lot on the lo uh, on the like mainland where tourism is just not as popular yet, if you can say so. Hmm. So people are in uh, usually they were very excited, especially the kids, to just see a white person because that's just very unusual for them. Um, so they were super happy and friendly, and I actually never really felt unsafe. In that con like in that context, because I think especially Tanzania is just quite a safe country to travel. Like violence is not popular, I would say. But of course, we were not out. Yeah, when it's dark and these kind of things, and you would take a taxi. So you you also always adapt to the circumstances. Right. But I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they had these gender issues. They were not. They wouldn't be whistling like in Central America. That wouldn't happen there. But yeah, there the con context is again very different because a lot of times a woman or especially a mother is perceived as something very valuable like the head of the family but in a very nice way hmm, that's really interesting so kind of like the way that women are perceived and then treated is different even though I'm yes. sure that there are some tenacious and maybe archaic gender roles that yes, are part yeah, of yeah. The, but, their culture as well so out of every place that you've been to ever which one surprised you the most so difficult because all the, uh, the a lot of the travels I've done they were in such different periods of my life so I think I was also prepared in a different way but maybe one fun or interesting experience was that after I went to Tanzania I uh, was in Dubai for two days to visit a friend who lived there and that was a complete culture shock so if you come from like a country in Africa where there was just nothing and people were living in these really small well not even houses but more like a, what do you call that in English like shacks yeah and then you go to uh, Dubai where everything is just over the top uh, 
big and excessive and there's huge malls and everything is just made for consumption it's just the biggest difference where yeah i don't i don't know if i was super surprised but it was just there yeah, i really felt a culture shock right kind of that juxt- yeah that juxtaposition but like very simple very minimalistic lifestyle of like oh we don't really need much because it isn't like forced in our faces versus like or just not accessible or not right. available yeah right versus like ultra capitalist consumption that's really interesting yeah so i'm sure like that juxtaposition made both feel a little bit more like glaring and a little bit like that comparison and and contrastion was like whoa <laughs> yeah the world you know interesting what does it feel like every time when you come home how is home changed or not changed oh good question <laughs> well for this travel when i came back from central america i mean for me i wasn't even sure where our home was going to be because i didn't know if i would stay in copenhagen or if i would go home uh, to germany so i think the first day i got got back i was like oh shit uh, my room is all packed up and i was completely scared and i was like okay i think i need to go back to germany because i don't have anything here mm-hmm. and then after two days being back and realizing that all my friends are here and uh, then actually also finding a job i i realized that i want to stay in copenhagen that i actually really enjoy living here but at the same time i also always perceive where my parents are as home so oh. i think maybe i perceive both as home right but i guess what i'm asking is um what does it feel like from going out and exploring other cultures and being in a completely different environment to coming back to all of the comforts like what does that feel like especially when you just got back from a trip i'm also always like oh my god i want to plan the next trip explore more explore see more cultures meet more people because you meet so many interesting people when you travel yeah so many interesting stories and it just for me it's always exciting and you kind of want to do it more and more and the longer you're home again the more comfortable you feel again and you the more you're also like okay do i really want to leave for such a long time because then you always i think when you when i'm home then i think oh god i'm gonna miss everything it's such a weird phenomenon because you yeah. do feel like you're gonna miss so much and you will miss so much but then also when you're out traveling you kind of feel as though your home life is on pause and that nothing's changing and that you're the only one that's changing and then you come back home and you're like oh my god everything's different do you feel that way because some people do and some people don't yeah with some people i feel like nothing has changed at all and i think it's usually especially your long-time friends mm. um that nothing ever changes um also because i'm kind of used to having a lot of friends that live in different parts of the world where I'm only seeing them once in a while so I kind of I'm just used to having that kind of relationship right 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 interesting so where are you looking at to travel to next do you have any like oh I really want to go here next or um <laughs> well I always have a long to do yeah but for this year I mean because I just started working um I'm not planning any major trips but one of my Well, like yeah, a befriended couple is getting married, so um, and they're getting married in France. So this year, I think I'll spend my summer vacation in France, oh, and then just do some yeah smaller trips within Europe, but right. no longer. Uh, Where in France? Um, southern France. I think it's not that far away from Nice. Oh okay. Oh my God, that's gonna be beautiful. So what did you learn about yourself 
or the world. You, if you haven't been to Australia, you've been to like every other continent. So you've put yourself in like a very different <laughs> culture every time. But what are some things that you learned about yourself while you've been going off and traveling? Well, that I do love to put myself out of my comfort zone and push myself uh, into those different contexts, con yeah. contexts every once in a while. That I actually also really enjoy living in Europe because you have so many different countries, languages, cultures so close by each other. And I think sometimes you also forget to appreciate that. Um, but once you kind of leave Europe, you actually realize on what great standards or standard of life we have here. And that I think for me, it always brings me further to, to go on such a trip. Like no matter where I go, I think you always learn something new. You, you also learn so much from the other travelers you meet, from the cultures, just widens your horizon. It makes it makes you appreciate what you, you have. Because also I always, yeah, I love coming back home because I realize that I have great friends that are still my friends when I'm back. Yeah. Um, or in the best case, also want to go travel with with me. And I think, yeah, as, as we said before, and it really usually brings you closer together when you go travel together. Absolutely. No, absolutely. It's the truest test of a relationship. Okay, so I've just got one more question left. And we can do like a different variations on it. So I like asking people, teach me something in German whether it's a quote or a saying, or you could even try teaching me something in Danish that you think it would be advantageous for me to know when I go to either Copenhagen or or somewhere in Germany. <laughs> well, I don't know if that would be a stupid or a very typical one for uh, for Denmark, but have you heard the word hügli? No, what is that? <laughs> So it's something along the lines of coziness. All the Danes use all the time. So when they meet each other and then they say at the end, oh, this was so cozy uh, or hugly. And I think it's a very good description of the Danes because the weather's a long time, you know, a big part of the year is really cold and gray and shitty. So I think the Danes really know how to make it cozy at home and or all the cafes, everything is is really pretty and good looking and yeah cozy because they just they are inside so much that, but then yeah the word is kind they use it for all kinds of situations so it's not only if you're inside it's just also when you're with friends you're having a good good time together then it's really so they yeah it's quite an important word in the danish language oh, i would say and it, i think it's super nice yeah it's also a big part of what i like about copenhagen that they really know how to make it cozy and uh, nice Oh my god, I love that. That's adorable, and I think that's like so. So, how would you say that in a sentence in Danish? So, if you say this is very hugly, that would be "det er meget hugly, or "that was very cozy." "Det var so hugly. Oh, cool. So it's so. Could you describe it as like, hmm, like even if you went out to like a museum? Not so much just like the space, but if you went and like did an activity, like is it also yeah a that verb? also the the day itself or the activity or just being with a person oh that's so cute I love that I love it so much so wait so wait how do I say it again it's hugely that was so hugely that's awesome so then what do you guys do during the summertime being outside going to the beach. Well, the Danes really know how to take, enjoy the sun as much as possible. I mean, 
from my German standards, if uh, it's kind of warm and I would maybe have a t-shirt on, they already run out in like hot pants and the shortest tank top because they are like, oh, it's sunny, so it's warm. Right, right, right. They're like, oh, the sun. It's a very, you definitely develop like a new relationship with the sun after being denied it for such a long time. Um, And so do you like, do you have a bike? And do you like bike around? Oh, yes, definitely. I only use my bike. That's so cool. (laughs) That's so cool. I have yet to go to Copenhagen. It's on the list. Oh, you will love it, I'm sure. So this has been wonderful. You've been, you've said some like great gems. Thank you so much for doing this with me. My favorite memory was our first long walk, exploring the volcanic surroundings. Our first morning, a cute Australian guy invited us to a bar with an infinity pool, just a boat ride away. Both being under financial constraints and wanting to explore, we decided to walk along the lake circumference instead. Lake Atilan is surrounded by three volcanoes and is lush in foliage and flora. Orchids grow like weeds here. As we walked along the dusty path, and sometimes through people's backyards, we had so much time to speak freely. It was refreshing to find someone who had a background and interest in psychology. When I travel, everything feels new and exciting, but I find myself forgetting parts of my personality until I encounter the same part in other people. It's great when you and a stranger find a shared love. I don't always find those people right away, but I'm so appreciative of it and relieved when I do. It reminds me that commonalities can transcend cultural boundaries, letting humans just connect. A Don Luis. Sí. Ah, ya. Ah, eso mío. Ya. Porque también pueden ir. Los puedo ir a dejar. Ustedes caminan y volver con él. In the next episode, we get chummy with some of the workers on Lake Atilan, Guatemala, where we meet an ex-DJ comic turned yogi with a punny sense of humor who wants nothing more but to see the world on his magic yoga mat. Oh, I'd love my job. I never thought I'd love my job. Mm-hmm. I was really depressed and scared about that in high school. So thinking, About never loving a job? Yeah, just thinking it would all be over soon and just sitting at a desk doing something insignificant that I didn't like or believe in. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think I held many jobs when I was young, part of that fear. Mm -hmm. Like if your first job isn't great, it's going to dictate the rest of them. Right. Is that what they say? Huh. Got to get that like great internship and then get to the White House. Right, right. And then it opens like all of these doors or whatever, being slave away for a really long time. Yeah. Maybe never actually getting that promise. So the fact that I wake up early every day by choice. Right. I'm always excited about my job. Even if I were to teach the same class back to back to the same people. Hear more next time on Strangers Abroad.